Welcome to Broken Silicon, a podcast about PC gaming and hardware brought to you by Moore's Law is Dead. I am Tom of Moore's Law is Dead, and this is actually a pre-recorded episode. Well, they all are, technically, aren't they? But this episode specifically was kind of recorded and honestly envisioned as the second episode. I got lucky when uh, all the pricing discussion happened and me and Chris were both available at the same time. Uh, So this was pushed back a bit and then recorded to be dropped. And that's really how the structure of the podcast is always supposed to be. It was supposed to be a PC news podcast that's longer every two to four weeks. And then in between them, I would drop these solo episodes where I talk about a specific subject in detail that you guys keep asking me about. And, uh, of course, when we can, we'll get guests like Chris. But that's what this episode is, talking about a specific subject on my own. So I'll still answer a couple of reader mail questions at the end. But for the most part, it's just going to be about, well, my PC gaming origin story. I I keep seeing people, both in the Discord, in the comments on the podcast, and on the YouTube channel asking me why I think the 7970 was so great. Why do I have it as a desktop background, as some may notice in some of my videos? Why do I regard GCN 1.0 as so legendary? As do many others. Many others bring up the 7970 with much reverence. Well, I'll go into that. But first, let's just start kind of where I started. Now, if you listen to my 10 years of being a PC gamer kind of almost podcast when I first started the channel, which I recommend everyone does. It's, you know, in total, I believe about three hours, four hours long. And you just want to listen to someone go through their history over a decade. It's pretty good. I'm very proud of it. That's one of the first series I did that really put my channel on the map and got me a lot of credibility. But I'm going to zero in here. And where that starts is where I started in PC gaming. And that was, well, I mean, remember, I'm not a Gen Zer. I am a millennial, but I'm not one of the youngest millennials, you know. I'm in my late 20s. I'm pretty much right in the middle there. So I got into gaming when I was, you know, 9, 10, 12. This was the 90s. I played on a, in a daycare, I played a Sega Genesis and loved Sonic. Um, And then I really liked Star Fox 64 and Super Smash Bros on, uh, well, on the Nintendo 64. And eventually, you know, I got when I, you know, worked hard and got straight A's, my parents bought me a Nintendo 64 on sale uh, for Christmas. And then I just played Paper Mario for about a year straight, standing by it, one of the best games ever. At this time, most households had one PC in their house. It was Windows XP. Eventually, they got a little bit of a stronger one, so I could use CAD in middle school, as I knew I wanted to be an engineer by the time I was 13. Uh, But that was it. You know, going into my parents' bedroom in the morning to play Age of Empires 2, after school to play The Sims. Uh, I didn't really get into shooters until my teenage years. My parents weren't a zealots about the ESRB ratings, you know, E for everyone, T for team. But for the most part, I followed them. Mostly E for everyone games until I was about 11 or 12, then a lot of T games until I was 16, and then I started getting into M games when I was 17. And so 
I didn't really need my own PC because I had a PS2, right? Until right before college. And that's when, because I needed it to be able to do rendering and CAD for college, they got me a powerful laptop. And remember, this is now the late 2000s, you know, 2009 era. And this is when laptops were still pretty shitty. I mean, I guess you could say they were finally laptops, right? If you look at laptops in the 90s and eight, <laughs> the 80s, it's like, oh, it's like you know, basically a briefcase that is a 30-minute battery life computer. It's barely a laptop. By this time, you had a laptop. They were small enough to fit in book bags. You could bring them places. So that was good. But they had, you know, three-hour battery lives at most, usually two. And this powerful one was a 19.5-inch 1080p laptop. Uh, it had a Core 2 Duo, which I did a lot of research at the time, and I came to the conclusion in like 2008, a dual core is what you want in a laptop. Not worth it for the lower clocked quad cores. Most games use two cores. I was correct in that assessment. Wish I would have gotten it clocked a little lower, though. It was a 3 gigahertz one, which for a laptop was pretty damn fast back then. Uh, and gone with a stronger graphics card. It's a GT130M which I don't remember what that would exactly be the equivalent of, but it was good enough. You know, it played my games. It could run uh, Autodesk Inventor. It, it uh, I could play Crisis. And the thing overheated like crazy in 45 minutes of battery life. But this was when PC gaming was getting super impressive. I remember I got this right around a year after the PS3 came out. And, well, it really didn't blow, I'd say it blew the early PS3 games away, Crisis did. And I would play it at 25 frames a second in 720p, because this was back in the era, if you go and watch benchmarks, people were okay. Graphics were getting so much better so quickly that the newest game, like Crisis, you would play it at 25 frames a second if it meant you could play it on Ultra, because it would look incredible, like incredible for the time. It wasn't until Killzone 2 came out that it looked better, and it really only looked better because I couldn't run it in 1080p on my laptop. Uh, but yeah, and that thing broke a few times, got it repaired, and then I got this netbook for the times it would break, and that's when I got into Half-Life 2. And man, guys, did I love Half-Life 2. And that's when I got into all of these other old-school PC games and really worked my way through them. Um, and then finally... We got to when I wanted to build a desktop, and that was about 2011. I started doing my research. I followed, uh, well, actually, I believe it's Paul from Paul's Hardware, but uh, he, uh, at the time, was a Newegg employee who made their de their uh, PC videos, which was hilarious after I saw him get his own YouTube channel, just after he was just the Newegg guy. But, yeah, I mean... Uh, I, I did my research. I got an, I, an Ivy Bridge i5 on a used one, I guess, from a scientific research facility that they only used it for a month. So I got that pretty much a month after it came out, the Ivy Bridge i5, 3570K, uh, for about 200 bucks. That was a good deal. And, it, and then I got a 560Ti. And that's because, frankly, I didn't know. I knew about AMD CPUs, and they weren't bulldozer yet. So I knew they were like... Or this was like right when Bulldozer was happening. So it wasn't like terrible, terrible. I remember the Phenoms were good. But their graphics cards, this is no marketing anywhere. 
I mean, you would buy games back then, and you would see the NVIDIA logo pop up. So you always knew what an NVIDIA was if you played a decent amount of video games. But you never knew AMD. I know they popped up in some games, but it was very few. And at this point, I just, you know, it was what we say, what I say now. People have a budget. They go and they look at what the NVIDIA card or AMD card is at that price point. And that's what I did. I got a 560 Ti. And yeah, it ran Crisis a lot better <laughs> than my laptop did. Uh, quite a bit better. Uh, and I was just blown away that I could play it now in 1080p extreme, like 30 frames, which it, for me felt silky smooth compared to the console frame rates I was used to. Uh, and I, I And then I got used to 60 frames in a lot of games, and it was just excellent. But then that goddamn thing broke, and I sent it back. Got it, got one back again, and that worked for a while. All my friends started building PCs too. EVGA was doing this gigantic sale, so I know one got a GTX 460. My brother got a 560 Ti, and then it broke again. Mine did, and then I got it refurbished, and I decided I wanted to try AMD. So I sold my 560 Ti for cheap to my brother so he could SLI it. And I got a 6950 for really about the same price. I mean, they were selling for like $10 more than what the 560 Ti was at the time. And I thought it would just be a side grade. But it, it, it was just a full upgrade. It was at least 15, 20% stronger. had double the VRAM, which everyone in the forums on Tom's Hardware and Newegg said, oh, you don't need more than a gigabyte of RAM. Well, they were fucking wrong. Uh, they were wrong because like a month after I got it, uh, Max Payne 3 came out and the Ultra Textures used two gigabytes of VRAM and it looked noticeably better than the medium. It wasn't high, medium textures at one gigabyte. So I was two tiers higher of textures and it was immediately noticeable. And then my little brother realized, shit, I think Tom was right to switch to AMD. And his SLI just couldn't get it to work, too. At this point, he was resorting to using his second 560 Ti as a PhysX card, which did help performance in some games, besides giving him free PhysX. But at this point, we started selling off our cards because I couldn't... I mean, they were all breaking. And I sold one of them to a buddy of mine at college, one of my brother's 560 Ti's. I brought it up from where we live in central, well, in the middle of the Midwest. I brought it up to where my college was. And because, you know, there's lots of technical people there. They'll all go on the Craigslist of the college. So I said to that to my brother, let me bring it up there and I'll, I'll sell it. and I'll bring you the cash down on Thanksgiving. And I did. And then I saw that guy in class, and I said, how's the 560 Ti? And he said, oh, it broke. I went, oh, my God, really? When? Like a month after I bought it from you. I went, oh, well, let's send it. He's like, yeah, it's not your fault. Well, let me send it in. You don't need to do anything. No, no, no. No, I'm doing this. I Look, give me $10 for the shipping, and I'll, I'll give you your card back working. And he did. And then I asked him a month later, and he said it broke again. So at this point, that 560 Ti had broke three times. Um, and then my friend, his name is Nick, his GTX 460 broke. <laughs> At this point, it was getting ridiculous. I believe he just ended up getting a HD 7770 and said, I'm done with this shit. Like, and then one of my brother's friends had his, uh, what was it, GTX 560 break. Like, and so this was an era, this was Fermi, where 
I'm aware of, I think, around 10 Fermi cards breaking. And additionally, the driver problems were terrible. So this is where I'm coming from. This is my origin story of why I switched to AMD many years ago. The drivers were terrible. The cards kept breaking. I think it was actually mostly EVGA that was having the cards break, but that can be another discussion for another time. And yeah, I, I just I just had to leave. I, In fact, I remember the drivers on NVIDIA during Fermi being so bad. This was also the era where they had one driver that turned off the fans and the, I believe, the temperature protection. How the hell that happens in a driver, I don't know. And they literally had multiple cards melting in PCs and breaking. Like, this was a nightmare. And this is when everyone said AMD's drivers were better. This is when you really started to get me going, getting mad. Like, where is this misinformation coming from? I remember one guy in a forum, on the video, in the NVIDIA forums going, oh, okay, uh, so Borderlands, and, th- and I had to do this. I downloaded Borderlands during a free weekend on Steam. Uh I had to use different drivers than I usually use. I had to like use a month old driver. And then he talked to, and then there was a list of games that need to you to use outdated drivers for them to not crash. I remember one guy literally, you can look it up. I'm sure if you Google it, Google a guy, you know, NVIDIA drivers at this point, I'm just going to burn a disc so I don't need to download them anymore. Yeah. He was talking about burning 10 different NVIDIA drivers onto a disc so that he, wouldn't because you know this is back in 2012 wouldn't have to download these hundred megabyte drivers over and over it was terrible and they all went away with the 6000 series at least when i switched and so i eventually got a crossfire one i got one on ebay for like 150 and then i had a 6950 crossfire and i was running borderlands 2 like 120 frames a second It, it was absolutely gorgeous and i could and this is when i kept starting to just it felt like I lived in a world of crazy people. Everyone kept saying NVIDIA drivers were better, that NVIDIA graphics cards were more reliable, and everything I was exposed to was the opposite. And we now know that NVIDIA's drivers are quantifiably less reliable. Most of the, during the Vista era, which, you know, right around up to Fermi and before it, uh, was the Vista era. Half of the crashes in games for Vista, or I think they said, yeah, were due to NVIDIA drivers. NVIDIA, is, guys, really is not about quality. It's about marketing, and it's about just consistent execution on the things they need to execute on. But it really isn't a quality argument. Uh, at least I don't think it is. That's definitely what I decided back then. Now, eventually, I saw a 7970 for sale on Craigslist in my college. And it was the Nitro, for, no, it was the Dual X Sapphire. And I decided I wanted it. So I offered him, what if I gave you two 6950s and some money? Because think about it. Most people in college don't have money a lot, right? If there, no one's gonna pay this guy like five hundred dollars for his six seven nine seventy. No one has five hundred dollars for a graphics card. But I made the argument to him: if you buy these two six nine fifties from me plus some money, you'll get some money now, and you can sell these cards to different people, and they'll have enough money for a six nine fifty, which he agreed. So it was two six nine fifties and forty bucks. 
for a 7970. One of the best decisions I ever made. In total, I paid it right if you add up how much I paid for the 6950s plus the $40, I paid $390 for an aftermarket dual fan 7970 in 2012, you know, the year it came out. And that thing overclocked like a motherfucker. I got it to 1215 megahertz core. And 1,835, I think 45 megahertz, actually, uh, memory. You know, we're talking about memory that's 1,375 stock going to 1,845. Guys, <laughs> think about that. That's almost a, I think that's like a 45% overclock to the memory. And then I got like a 30% overclock to the core or something. Yeah, it was 925 core. So one, two. Yeah, over 30%. And my all my benchmarks on average show 35% performance uplift over stock. And the interesting thing is the power usage only was plus 20. I mean, yeah, the thing used like 280 watts. Uh, and it was the strongest graphics card in the world. I, I mean, at the time, it was like tied with a 680. But the 680 would overclock by about 15% as usual per NVIDIA. And... My AMD card that tied it overclocked 35%. It had three gigabytes of VRAM. So I sat there for two years and, you know, I've never had this victim mentality. I think a lot of people have that. People who have entered the gaming market since 2015 and decided to buy Radeon cards. They have this idea like AMD always has to be the underdog. Like they always have the best price performance. That's, that's not what I remember. I came into the game at a time when AMD cards were actually usually stronger than NVIDIA. The 5870, the 7970, the 290X. The era I come from is this unique period where they weren't even just trading blows with NVIDIA. They were more or less on top for four years straight for the performance crown. Including the 6000 series, which the 6970 wasn't that much weaker than the 580, had more VRAM, and the 6990 was better than the 590. You know, we're talking about an era where AMD was performance, for those in the know, and had about half the market share. That's what I remember. I don't think of AMD as always needing the best price performance, although certainly it was usually way better than NVIDIA. I thought of AMD as having the best performance. And that's why I think people need to get used to. AMD wasn't always this ultra-budget brand. Yes, they were with the 4000 and 5000 series, but that's about it. They've been more expensive before. They've been more powerful before. And it can happen again. They just need to choose to. And I just remember laughing at people with the 7970 that could run games in 1600p, which is like the 4K of the time, when most people couldn't do 60 frames ultra in 1080p, which is really the 1440p of the time. Like... It was just the frame rates I got, and I did have a monitor I overclocked, by the way. It was a 1080p IPS 3D, this is the 3D era, guys, monitor made by Asus. And I overclocked it to 76 hertz with no distortion, but with a little bit of screen distortion, I could get it up to 118 hertz. And so at least I got to experience, right, what high refresh rates look like, which was what dictated me getting a 144 hertz later when they became more common. Uh, and I could run it. I could run all the games from Battlefield 4. I can run it maxed out at higher at higher performance than a 670, than a 
I mean, it was so ridiculous. People bought the 780 for $650, and if you overclocked it, it still couldn't match my 7970. I just couldn't get it. I couldn't get why people were buying these NVIDIA graphics cards. <sighs> but after Kepler, things got pretty boring for me, if I'm being completely honest. Like, I don't remember... I, I don't remember things being like, I remember just Kepler and GCN being haymakers back and forth. You know, the, the seven, nine seventy, the six eighty, the seven, nine seventy gigahertz, the seven, you know, the Titan, the seven eighty, the two ninety X, the seven eighty TI, the R nine, two ninety five X two, the Titan Z. Uh, and there's just back and forth, back and forth haymakers. And then Maxwell came out, and that really blew me away. Uh, I didn't expect it to be that powerful. I remember even recommending the 970 for a few months to people because I was like, look, it's as strong as the 290X and uses half the energy for $330. Just get it. Like, I, I tell you to buy the best stuff. Of course, later I found out they lied about how many ROPs and RAM were in the thing. You know, 3.5 gigabytes. Stopped recommending it immediately. Especially because after a few months, the 290 dropped to about $250. And if you're going to ask me, do you want a 973.5 gigabyte for what was eventually 350? Or do you want a 294 gigabyte for 250? Just get the 290 is what I would tell people. But it just got boring the Fury was cool because it had HBM, but honestly, at this point, I got more into cryptocurrencies. The PC gaming market started to bore the shit out of me. I mean, performance increases were slowing down. No one seemed to have any brain when it came to price performance anymore. They just kept buying NVIDIA. I got into Litecoin, uh, bought, bought a bunch of 6,000 series cards for like 70 bucks. Uh, made a mining rig in my college, ran that for a while. I had this thing where I opened up the side of my case and then I had these risers come out of it and I put a 6850 and then I put two Lincoln logs. Yeah, that's right, Lincoln logs above the 6850. And then I put another 6850 on that and then two Lincoln logs on top of that. And so was, there was this tower of interchanging graphics card Lincoln logs, graphics card Lincoln logs. <laughs> on the side stacked up next to my desktop. <laughs> and that's what I got into. I got into Litecoin. I got into Dash early. So for those who say, oh, I'm in on a thing early, I was in on the founding of Dash. Google it, Dash. It was called Darkcoin at the time. I was there talking to the creators and the developers and the forum had 40 people. So if anyone wants to tell me, oh, I have inside information on this new cryptocurrency, guys, I've been at the founding of some of the richest coins. Don't act like you know more than me about this stuff. <laughs> oh, boy. And so at this time, and, you know, eventually I got out of that, though, and I just got into Bitcoin. And this whole time, things were just so boring. Ugh. I eventually got a 390X when I got a good job at, you know, one of the big three automotive companies. I didn't get the 390, even though it made way more sense. I got the 390X because I was just like, no, I'm getting a full die because I can afford it. And that I did. And with that, it was pretty good. It was, you know, 70% stronger. Ugh, honestly, even it only overclocked like 10%. It was about... I think 60% stronger than my overclock 7970. Not even that, probably 50%. But I had more RAM. It was nice. It was nice. I spoiled myself. Sold it for $300 a week before the 480 came out. Got a 480 
8 gigabyte for $240. So I thought that was a good win. I basically cut power usage in half and saved some money there. Uh, it broke, though, after three weeks, right before the new egg warranty went up. So I was like, sweet. I just sent it back, got my money back, and I ordered a Fury Nitro for $310. And while I wasn't that into PC, well, the PC hardware space anymore, obviously, I still play plenty of video games. Uh, I, I still would check, right, when I got the Fury Nitro for 310 And I was like, why the hell is anyone getting the 1070 for $500? I BIOS modded, which, for those who don't know, yes, the Fury series was not very good at normal overclocking. It was horrible at it. But the BIOS modding community around the Fury cards was tremendous. Better than the previous generations, actually. And every bit as good, if not better, than Polaris, which BIOS modding is huge on Polaris, of course. No, no, no. I BIOS modded this Fury Nitro to be silent, stronger than the 1070 at stock, and I never had to touch Wattman once it was flashed. It just plugged that sucker in, and it was running at 1100 megahertz, like 525 megahertz HBM. Yeah, the, the and then different voltages, amperage settings, which actually increase performance, if you guys can believe it, memory timings. Like, yeah, no, that Fury Nitro was great. I used that for years. Eventually, though, of course, I put it in a mining rig once the Ethereum mining boom started, and I got a Vega 64, and I actually loved that thing. Overclocked it to match the 1080 Ti. Again, notice this theme. I'm an overclocker. I like overclocking cards, and not just overclocking them for shits and giggles, I overclock them to be 24-7 stable and then laugh that I'm matching a 1080 Ti with a $500 card in 2017, just absolutely laughing at this stupid fact. I think now you guys get it. You see where I'm coming from. My exposure to NVIDIA has always been nothing but low-quality lies and horrible drivers. And it's still what I see. Their drivers seem better now, to be clear. But the features in AMD drivers, it's like, it's something I've asked people. I think I asked Chris and Paul from Not an Apple Fan, uh, Chris Goodall Gamer, in that live stream we did together. It was like way too long. I think it was like three and a half hour long live stream. Where I was like, hey, so what would you guys, what would it take for you to get NVIDIA? And they were just like, nothing. And because and, I'm not giving up Wattman, I'm not giving up Radeon Chill, I'm not giving up Radeon Relieve, I'm not giving up, I mean, there's so many little features in the AMD drivers that, and I have an NVIDIA laptop, one I'm using right now to record this podcast while on vacation, actually, and it's just not there. It's fine if it's in a laptop that was a good deal, but for a daily driver, I just can't have it in my desktop. It, this, the features I would have to give up are incredible. And I've always been sitting here not looking for AMD cards to have better price performance. I'm looking for them to take the performance crown again. Because I come from the area, the era of proud AMD fans that have the strongest card on earth. I had the strongest card on earth, and it was AMD. And I'm just waiting for that to happen again. And I'm excited because our DNA looks like it might be much more powerful, if not more efficient, than we expected. But yeah, so now maybe you guys see where all of my opinions come from, where a lot of the, you know, 
I don't want to say preconceived notions, but like uh, not biases either, because I tell people to get in video when it's better, which it is sometimes. I now you guys get it. Why I'm not obsessed with price performance. Why I'm not obsessed with, um, well, the usual slogans that Nvidia people tell you. And of course, if you want more, I go through it all <laughs> over three hours. Article by article that I was reading at the time from 2009 to 2019 and my 10 years of being a PC gamer series on Moore's Law's Dead YouTube channel. So, so listen to that. Well, before I go, why don't I get into so a reader question? This one comes from Whitey Zealot. Yep, that's right. Uh, you didn't submit this to reader mail, but sometimes I take it. He says... Oh, now I get it. The guy who kept buying 560s and failing was your brother. No wonder he. No wonder you didn't get burned. Had it become a complete stranger, he'd blame you, not NVIDIA. And it's like, no, that happened to me too. It happened to both of us. <laughs> and as you can see from what I've talked about, no one's ever blamed me that I've sold two on Craigslist because if anything goes wrong with their products, I leave them my address and number and they can. I always tell them you can come find me and kill me if something goes wrong. Uh, I prefer Craigslist for that reason. I never screw over people I sell to. That's just wrong. I would never do that. Well, I think that just about does it, people. I hope you enjoyed this shorter episode. I plan on doing these more and more because, you know, I don't think we need to talk about PC news every week. I think if you do a gaming-specific podcast, there's probably news every week. But even those can get pretty boring, can't they? Because there's some weeks where they're just trying to find something to talk about. So this is what I'm going to do, right? Big podcast and then mini podcast talking about a specific thing. Write me reader mail questions. I will fill up the mini episodes with your questions, talking to you in detail. And of course, if there's other things you want me to drill in on from my history or in the future for this podcast, hey, if you're a premium Patreon member, you can make those suggestions to me and I'd love to make the content you want because you're funding me. All right. Thank you, everybody. Broken Silicon, a PC hardware and gaming podcast, is brought to you by me, Tom, of Moore's Laws Dead, and also co-hosted by my brother, Dan. Please visit Moore's Laws Dead at YouTube to see much more in-depth analysis of AMD, Intel, and NVIDIA products and rumors. Also, if you love this podcast, please subscribe and consider giving me a review on your distributor of choice. It really does help. And if you really like this and my other content, please consider supporting me on Patreon at Moore's Laws Dead. Unlocked or higher supporters get to submit questions and have in-depth discussions with me after videos and podcasts. Plus, there are a lot of intelligent people on the included Discord channel that are having some pretty enlightening hardware discussions right now. I bet they wish you could join them. In fact, I will now give thanks to my NetBurst or higher supporters immediately because I could not afford to dedicate the time or resources necessary to providing this content you like without these supporters. And so, without further ado, well, actually, let me say this. This is not a stitched together edit of every name that I have recorded recently. Every week, I say the same thank yous to all the names on my list again, because I want to remember all the people making this possible. On June 20th, 2019, the following supporters are at the net burst 10 gigahertz or higher level. Bootman, Hunter Drake, Ben Grossen, Dean, Ruckus, Justin Yant, Thomas Rupp, Thomas Parage, Jesse Blanton, Will L., Jordan Betcher, 
Mohammed Al-Kawari, Victor Janecki, Matthew Brubacher, Prime Tech, Justin Parrish. Thank you, guys.